Uh, hi, I'm Matea Green. I'm the writer of Cobra Kai episode 406, Kicks Get Chicks, and you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And you guys, one of my favorite type of episodes is speaking with the writers. Uh, and one of my favorite episodes of season four is four or six kicks, kicks, get chicks with Matea Green. How you doing, Matea? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I just kind of want to throw this out there as like a um, a bit of a flex, but I have met you twice now in person yes. in IRL. Um, I, I don't know if you listened to the pod or like, cause I, I did a, uh, a recap of the Paley Fest e- event and um, I, I mentioned how, when I was, um, uh, you know, after the whole panel thing, I, I saw Joe and the one, I went to go say hello. And then I saw uh, Zach Arnold. I did not see your face. Cause I believe your back was behind me. So I was like, I'm gonna go introduce myself to Zach. So when I did, so you're like, no, yeah, I know you, I took a picture for you with the guys. And I was like, Oh, and that's when I recognized you. So I, I felt like a complete idiot that I didn't realize who Zach was standing next to. That's okay. I think I was wearing a mask too. It uh, makes it tough for everyone. Could have been, could have been absolutely. Yeah. And and Tamlin was there. She was wearing a mask. And so, yeah, I, I do wonder who else was there that I didn't, didn't even know who, you know, uh, for those that are right. Apparently there was a legacy uh, actor that appeared at the, uh, the after party I, I just heard about. So. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about those, but yes, there were yeah. a few people at the after party. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, I don't believe that was on the previous recording. So that's why I left it at that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, f- fun stuff you guys get to do. Um, yeah. So now when I, when we first met, it was at Sony and you were John, Josh and Hayden's uh, assistant at the time. Yeah. I think that would have been right after we finished filming season two. So I started on the show uh, right after season one came out, right when we were starting season two as the showrunner's assistant, um, got to go to set with them and everything it was great. And then season three, I was the writer's assistant and I got to write a freelance episode, uh, episode 308, The Good, The Bad and The Badass. And uh, then season four, I was a member of the writing staff. Now, were you always into writing? Because did, 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 uh, if I'm not mistaken, did you used to do like a stand up as well? Yes, I did stand up uh, for about three or four years uh, until COVID hit and then, you know, took a break and uh, haven't been back since. Uh, But yeah, I started writing uh, right when I graduated college. uh, So right when I was 21 years old and uh, have been working in the industry ever since then. Now, were you um, was writing and comedy always like a thing growing up? Like, like, were did you do any theater or anything like that in school, uh, high school? No, um, I grew up, you know, very very small town in Florida. Um, we had a theater program, but it was just like a fun thing. It wasn't like a thing where you could have a career in this. I genuinely had no idea that like TV writing and movie writing was a thing. I had never seen a stand up show. I did not know it existed until um, I went to college to study political science, and I went to school in Chicago. And uh, we got to go to, you know, a few more comedy shows there. And uh, I started to think about like, oh, this is an actual career uh, that people get to do, spend their whole lives doing. And that uh, kind of hit it for me. Now, do, you, do you have a, or 
did you um did you have any influences or inspirations in in comedy like do you uh you know i I don't want to assume that people you know um you know take material from other people or you were inspired by somebody uh how did you kind of come up with like your style uh in in uh, stand-up um so i think for me i grew up reading uh douglas adams a lot in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and he had just a very like smart sense of humor, like very wry, very dry. And um, up until then, you know, as a little kid, you think funny is like fart jokes and that's it. And so I was like, oh, you can be smart and funny. And so I think uh, that was kind of my big inspiration growing up. And that's what I try to take into my writing now. And weren't you also on a debate team as well? I was on a debate team and uh, I'm sure once we get into the episode, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I was on a debate team. we were one of the only debate teams like we did not have like, you know, you talk to kids from the Northeast and they have these incredible like debate infrastructures where it's kids from all over the country coming in and debating. Ours was just a very like rinky dink, like, you know, two high schools in town. Uh, I won the county championship because the other person didn't show up. Uh, wow. I just won by default. It was great. Uh, and I put it on my college <laughs> applications and everything. Yeah, because it's not a lie. Like, yeah, I won. You know? I won. So yeah. It d- doesn't matter how you won. You won. Um, I I feel I feel as Mariel Woods maybe told me that that you were the debate team because I I mentioned to somebody I was like oh you know because we were talking about Devin and I was like oh is that because like John and Hayden were on the debate team and I believe it was Mariel and I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. They're like oh well Mateo was too. I was like oh okay well because that makes it because she wrote Kicks Get Chicks. Yeah, that was the inspiration. Uh, I did debate a girl who was very intense and very just so into it. And she like was not doing very well. And she would like started moving closer and closer to me. And I would like she was getting very upset, very angry. And I was like, oh, I think she might like take a swing at me here. And uh, when we were looking for like a new uh, female character to add to the cast, I kind of remembered that. And I thought, well, that's a different type of character we've seen someone who is very intense and very aggressive, but just hasn't channeled it into karate yet. Uh, and yeah. someone who could be, you know, interesting foil for Johnny. Now, um, after college and you kind of started on your path, how, how did you end up being a uh, an assistant in the, in the industry here? Yeah, well, when I was, you know, just Googling, looking for like, how on earth do you break into television? You know, there are very few TV writers and very many people who would like to do it. So I just kind of Googled, like, how do you break in? And everyone said, get an assistant job, get an assistant job at an agency. Um, They're hiring all the time. um, And, you know, most of them are pretty big. So I was able to get an assistant job uh, right out of college, pretty much working for uh, Renee Kurtz at CIA. And I worked for her for about a year and a half and then went to work for one of her clients for a little bit and then ended up on Cobra Kai. And um, I think it's a really great experience for anyone who wants to get into entertainment, uh, working at an agency, you know, it can be tough. Uh, it's not always an easy environment, but you learn so much about the business side and you make a lot of contacts. Um, so yeah, uh, that's how I ended up on Cobra Kai. No, that's awesome. I wonder if 39 is too old to try to do something <laughs> like that. Uh, but I guess I'd have to wait for the the youngest to get out of the house, which is going to be like another 16 years. So maybe uh, I'm already past that time. Ah, um, you know, so, okay, well, let, let, let's see if I'm still in touch with like John Josh and Hayden and in 16 years, we'll, we'll see like, <laughs> hey, you guys need a new assistant? <laughs> um, now with, uh, with season three, uh, if I'm not mistaken, again, there's just so many details, and um, I believe 
Johnny's email to Allie, was that not, uh, that was you, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, in, I think it's in episode 306, uh, where Johnny is trying to compose a Facebook message to Allie. And um, his first attempt is just like a pages of all caps. And for that season, for seasons two and three, anytime you see like text on screen, uh, most of that they would just pass off to me to write because uh, I was the assistant and they were all too busy to do it. So I, I got that one and I was told to have fun with it. Uh, so I just sort of tried to put myself in Johnny's headspace and uh, started rambling. And uh, that's what showed up on screen. How, um, how is it writing for, for Johnny and getting in his headspace? Uh, I enjoy it, actually. He's one of my favorite characters to write for because he's someone who, you know, wants to be a good person and just doesn't know the right thing to say all the time. And, you know, there's no malice in it most of the time. He's just like not with it. And that for me is just really great comedy. Yeah, no, I, I um, wanted to kind of like bring that up initially because uh, 406 has um, a lot of those type of, type of moments of, of Johnny from um, previous seasons. Uh, with uh, the good, the bad, and the badass, uh, I thought it was really interesting because the the image of um, Priest Johnny and Daniel inside what we didn't know at the time was like a uh, like a um, not a town hall meeting was it was it like a town hall meeting kind yeah. of like yeah, a yeah. city council yeah and so we we thought that it was like a like a legal hearing or something but i guess we weren't too far off but that was one of the first images released uh, prior to season 3 so we were just like what what is even going on um it, we and we kind of talked about this before we started recording but what kind of what, what do you kind of remember in terms of like uh uh the beats that you were supposed to hit in um breaking uh, this episode in 308. Yeah. So 308 yes. went through a lot of changes because um, we kept moving things around with the story. And so we ended up, uh, I think, rewriting it you know, just before production. And that one, the scene of them trying to get the tournament back on and, you know, the sensei's all fighting and messing it up and then the kids coming in to save it. That's something that uh, John, Justin Hayden had wanted to do from the beginning of the season. And it had been in a different episode and then got moved into mine. And so uh, that was a really fun one to get to write. It was very exciting because it's just such a big scene and just so many like different clashing people. Um, we knew we wanted to start with, you know, Chris sort of sweetening them up and then just Johnny and Daniel kind of sniping at each other and just getting very childish very quickly. And then the moment of Miguel coming in and then Sam coming in to help, that was another big moment. And that kind of encapsulates a lot of what we want to do in the show, which is that these kids are the ones who kind of know the right thing to do and are the ones who are going to save the adults in a way. It, um, there's a line that uh, Chris says, and it's something that I feel like a lot of veterans say, but hearing it uh, from Chris made me kind of like, do I want to continue saying that now? Like, um, but basically uh, when he addresses like uh, council person uh, Roberts and, you know, she thanks him for his service. He's like, it was an honor to serve. I'm like, I say that like, and, and like the way he used it, you know, kind of like what you're saying is like, I don't know if I like saying that now, but um, yeah. He does mean it, you know. I think that was the biggest honor of his lifetime, and he's someone who cares about honor. So I think he means it, but I think he also knows what it means to other people, and he's not above using it to his advantage. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, uh, I, I, I like the, I, I believe he, you know, kind of gives a look to the other guys too, uh, sitting there since he got to go first. Um, I'm trying to think, I, I believe also in that episode, we, um, it's the same episode that that Yasmin and Dimitri are caught kissing in the yes. hallway. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because I believe that was the first time we 
got to see that. Obviously, it looked like it was being set up throughout that uh, the early, earlier in the season as well. Yeah, that is another thing that uh, coming into season three, the guys really wanted to do. Um, you know, Annalisa Cochran, the actress, she's great. And they always knew they wanted to bring her back. And as Dimitri's stock kind of rises in the aftermath of the season two fight, we thought just the funniest possible thing to happen would be for him to get this incredible girlfriend. And, um, you know, I think Dimitri has a line in one of the episodes where it's like, okay, my stock is on the rise and yours is falling. We're going to meet in the middle somewhere. And that is exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, and it's just him being himself, you know, so it, a, a, um, a advice that Hawk uh, gave him in, in, in season one. So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of some of the uh, other things. I believe Sam and Miguel also start to kind of make amends uh, in, in that episode as well. So a lot of um, a lot of groundwork for what mm-hmm. we will eventually. Well, I guess I believe it was was it 309 when Miguel and Sam go to the Miyagi-Do? And yes. then he has his moment. With, yeah, so yeah. definitely a lot of groundwork into uh, what we see in, in, in season four. Um, with Kicks Get Chicks. Now, I, I feel like the titles, don't they come a little bit later? Like you guys aren't like assigned titles right away. No, I mean, sometimes we have one early on that, you know, just works. But I think that one came quite a bit later. Uh, I don't know exactly when, actually. But uh, uh, do you guys, I uh, had it when I was writing it. Did you guys ever like have just kind of like working titles like uh, in the meantime, or do you guys like, Oh, you have 406. It's, we just call it 406. In my head, I was calling it girls just want to have fun. Um, Cause we knew like, this is the episode where Johnny tries to recruit female students and that's going to be the big centerpiece. So that's how we were thinking of it. Now is this more of a nod to the song or the movie? Well, I guess the movie is also a nod to the song. Yeah. More of the song I was thinking, but you know, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the episode starts off with the uh, the the, um, the boardroom, the committee. Uh, we got the uh, introduction of Gavin, who takes the place of uh, of Daniel. Um, can you talk about like this big rule change and and also um, I don't know. I the, the trailer gave us something a little bit different, a little ominous. Did you guys kind of have like did, were you guys did you guys know that that it would be kind of played out that way in the in the trailer or did you guys kind of like see that afterwards and like oh that was a good idea? Uh, I saw that afterwards. I don't know what input the guys had. I saw it afterwards and I thought oh that's great and people are going to watch the episode and be like oh this is actually about the dumbest thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that discussion, the rule change, that was one of the big discussions we had in the room coming into season four. Um, we have so many, you know, girls on the show now who are like such capable competitors and, you know, thinking realistically, you know, in any real life competition, you're not going to have boys and girls competing against each other usually. So, you know, it just felt like it was time to have that separate competition. And um, it also felt like as long as we were expanding things, we could add in the skills con- competition as well. Um, and so the all Valley karate board was kind of a way to set that up and explain the reasoning behind it. Some of those discussions reflected, uh, some of the actual discussions we had in the writer's room about like, this doesn't seem right. This is a little problematic to have boys hitting girls, right? Like, uh, but it was, that's one of the, I think most fun sequences to write is, is those guys getting together because they care so much about the dumbest things and, you know, just, I could write an entire script of them arguing about like the color of the maps. That would be great. What about Sue's line and the, the, the demographic about like 40 year old men and their, their boy, their sons or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that one, I didn't write that one. Uh, that is very meta. That is you know, reflective of the show. I think it's like, we do I, have I would say watching the show now. We should probably do something about that. 
Yeah, because um, I'm I'm almost there, and my 22 year old son is a big fan of the show as well. So like, mm-hmm. um, I felt a little seen, but also kind of like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now this episode also like, uh, you know, I said it at, at the beginning, and and I'm not even kidding. Like, I I uh, I love this episode because of the the human interactions, you know, especially between the characters. Like, uh, it, I I enjoy the fun and and all the the hijinks that Johnny gets himself into and all these things. But I really love the the sit down and like the dialogue that helps, you know, kind of move the story and gives us more layers of characters. And we'll get to one in particular. Um, you brought in uh, Tori's aunt. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that character? And also we see Lynn in the background. And was there any kind of dialogue written for Lynn that was uh, possibly cut? I think there was, there was a brief line for Lynn. We love Lynn. We love uh, Susan Gallagher who plays Lynn. Uh, She's just hilarious. We try to bring her in wherever it makes sense. Um, But yeah, so Tori's aunt. So the storyline with Tori and Amanda had been something we've been wanting to do all season and things got moved around in different episodes. Um, But, you know, she really features heavily in episodes two and and, uh, I think four and six are the big moments for her, for Tori. Um, so the aunt was something that we, you know, had originally had in an earlier episode and didn't work. And then we were looking for a reason for Tori to go to Amanda. And we thought, you know, this is the perfect place for the aunt to come in and we can learn a little bit more about Tori's home life, the situation she's dealing with and, um, kind of give her a little bit of motivation to get her life together. She's someone who, you know, doesn't care, you know, thinks she can take care of herself, but now she has this threat of, you know, your brother, might get taken away from you if you don't start getting things together soon. And that's, you know, it would have to be something that big to send her to the LaRussos. Yeah. And I mean, just the, the conversation alone uh, between the two, you know, you find out some, some things, you know, there's a, a mention of a dad and um, you know, and, and, and how estranged the aunt is when, when she's calling her own dang uh, nephew, like the wrong name, I think she calls him Bobby and it's like Brandon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really terrible. Like um, you really get a look at, at, at her life and start to feel a little bit sorry for Tori if you haven't already. Um, Tori was like, you know, I think with season four, I was really, really rooting for Tori and Robbie, especially when they got together. And it was set up, I believe, in 308 as well. Like, uh, did mm-hmm. they bump into each other at the um, JDH? Yeah, yeah. That's their first run in in 308. And they're, you know, it's kind of Robbie's first moment of realizing that he might have more in common with this girl than he does with uh, Sam. And she kind of plants it in his head that, you know, Sam LaRusso might not be on your side. And then he goes and sees Sam and Miguel together and realizes, say, Tori might have had a point. And that is part of what sends him uh, to Cobra Kai at the end of the season. See, and that's um, you know, I uh I, I've mentioned a number of times on on the, the podcast that season four was the very first time I ever gotten screeners for anything. And so like to have a Cobra Kai screener is it, it was amazing. And so since I didn't know exactly what to do or anything, they sent me this email and it's like, hey, if you're gonna do a non-spoiler review, do not include these include these spoilers. And I read the spoilers <laughs> before, <laughs> before writing the review or even watching the episodes. And so I got spoiled, which uh, your episode also sets up the return of Aisha, which mm-hmm. was um, uh, obviously something that I think many of us didn't expect, especially with season three saying like, oh, well, the, uh, she moved away. And so we're like, oh, wow. So we're not gonna see uh, Aisha anymore. But um, so when I'm watching it, knowing spoilers, and I saw that little clip that Gavin plays, I'm like, oh, this has got to be the episode. How is this going to work? So even knowing that she was coming, I didn't know how it was going to fit in. And I just love how like every single one of you guys that we have spoken with 
have mentioned like, you know, the cards and things that are uh, moving around and the idea of the Cobras stealing a snake from the zoo was from season two or maybe yeah, even as early been. as season yeah. one possibly. So really early. And it's amazing that you guys, um, you know, keep shuffling things around and it just seems to fit perfectly. Obviously that's, that's why you guys do it. And uh, I, I feel like John, John, and Hayden kind of like, have implied that this would never happen, but it's more tradition at this time. But I think the more we talk about it, the possibility of it happening could be a thing. But Bert shitting in a tuba. Mm-hmm. Like, I uh, can confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll just keep bringing it up and, and maybe we'll see it one day. Yeah. Um, now, the, uh, yeah, the on, I can't wait to see if that comes back because it just sets up so much. But um, Johnny recruiting, uh, can you talk about like, um, about moon you know so it, it's always nice to see uh hannah return and i really thought like oh wow so so moon's actually gonna join so um obviously when she talks about like hitting people like it just makes sense like okay well she she can't uh, join karate so uh can you talk about moon and uh also bringing back piper yeah so piper was originally cast uh the actress in season two and we found out after we cast her that she's an incredibly talented gymnast and so of course for us we're like oh well she should fight someone then uh, so I think we knew that we had wanted to bring her back and there was just no room in season three. Uh, they weren't really uh, at school at all. And then season four with Johnny recruiting, you know, trying to find his his you know female champion just seemed like the perfect place. And um, we knew that, you know, because the actress is so talented uh, with, you know, stunts and gymnastics and all of that, she'd probably be too good for Johnny. Like she probably belongs in Cobra Kai. She's already a winner. You know, there's nothing for Johnny to do here. So I think the idea of, you know, having him think that like, oh, this is the perfect girl. This is exactly who we need. And then miss out on that and kind of realize like, well, you know, like Miguel tells him, uh, you shouldn't be looking for someone who's already a champion. You should be looking for someone who you can build into a champion. And then he finds that in an unexpected place. But yeah. Bringing Piper back is something that we had really wanted to do for a while. And it just fit perfectly into this episode. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I really love that because I think it's too easy to um to kind of like what you said like you know she's she's too good for eagle fang you know Mm -hmm. and so like i appreciate that and and it's just you know it's just just a few minutes and i think like many other shows like they wouldn't have included something like that you know like she would just maybe say no decline and it's it's there so like i i do like the idea of like johnny's just like well she should have been here miguel saying well i'll dm her to find out that she is already like posting things, you know, because like all the swag from Cobra Kai. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's another you know, showing, you know, the strength of Cobra Kai and what Johnny's up against is like, he can't compete with, you know, custom made sneakers and, you know, all the incredible gear they have over there. We don't even know if the warehouse is, uh, if he's actually there legally, you know? Oh, I, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> um eli and dimitri uh the binary brothers uh just just uh, a a great scene and i I love gianni in this uh, as well trying to kind of bring hawk back into uh i guess he he uh, quits karate at this time can you talk about um like the uh the whole binary brothers thing like i I don't know how you script something like that uh in terms of like him showing the video like do you how do you guys talk about the, the sequences in the video that um dimitri shows eli yeah, that one I think was John, Josh, and Hayden, uh, that those sequences. But um, we knew, I think, going into this episode that Hawk was going to be just really down, just really, you know, out of it. And 
the only person who felt like it was right to bring him back uh, was Dimitri. I mean, his oldest friend and the person who kind of understands exactly how he feels in that moment. And so having Dimitri kind of pull back to their shared history of, you know, look what dorks we used to be and still are. And, you know, you were trying to hide all that under a mohawk, but that's not you. This is you. I think it just felt like a really powerful moment. The um, the line that Dimitri, where he refers to himself as Alfred, not Batman. Yeah. Um, can you uh, shed some insight on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Dimitri doesn't see himself as a hero at all. Like, he's not even Robin. He's like the butler. He's just that far back. Um, and he idolizes Hawk a little bit. Um, Hawk is Batman, and he's just the guy who gets Batman drinks. That's all he's good for. Um, and I think we see him sort of towards the end of the season in the tournament kind of realize like, oh, no, I am better at this. Like, I'm not great. Like, I can't beat Robbie, but I did OK. And it's kind of a nice moment for him. Were there any alternatives to Alfred? Um, now Alfred was the one that felt right. You know, we were getting into like Marvel versus DC for a little bit. But uh, Alfred was kind of like the the guy, like not even the sidekick, but just the way like off to the side guy uh who felt right for that yeah I, I guess also like which version of alfred are you talking about because like if it's the was it gotham alfred is actually pretty badass oh so. no, no, no no we're talking like <laughs> the the old guy who like walks around with a tray like from the 60s you know the yeah. adam west batman yeah yeah um one of the other sequences i i uh, really like is when um daniel follows robbie into the convenience store uh, mm-hmm. and can you, um, I, I think, uh, Joel talked about like how little the space was. And so I, I don't know how much changes uh, they need to make during filming, but, um, just kind of the, um, I, I guess that sequence and also with like Terry Silver, was there any conscious decision or maybe, um, some direction given to you as to when Terry would actually walk in on this conversation? Cause I, like, um, I, yeah. like watching it back yesterday, I was kind of like, well, w- when was it? And you do hear the uh, the doorbell uh, as as he opens up the door. Yeah, we wanted um, to give Daniel a chance to say his entire piece uh, and then to finish, you know, his entire speech to Robbie. I think that is the first time that they speak to each other uh, in, I think, the whole season. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, so you know, we knew how powerful that was, and we wanted Daniel to have a chance to say his piece, but we also wanted Silver to kind of get the gist of what Daniel was saying. So we brought him in, I think, um, I don't know if I had scripted exactly where he came in, but the idea was as close to the end as possible, just so he knows what's going on, but he doesn't need to hear the whole thing. Um, And I think for Daniel, um, having been in Robbie's shoes, which is unique for him, they don't really have a ton of shared experiences, but he knows exactly what's going on with Silver and exactly what's, you know, he's going to do to Robbie. And for him to tell Robbie that I think is very powerful. Uh, often we talk about how deliberate uh, the writers are with the dialogue and and just everything about the show. Uh, was there like any kind of discussion or maybe this is one of those like um, suspended your disbelief, but was there any discussion of how risky it was for Daniel to kind of wait in that area, you know, next to the Cobra Kai dojo to just seek out to Robbie? I think that Daniel, you know, uh, it was a risk, but Daniel's also not scared of anyone at that point. Like he has fought these people and won. Uh, so he knows it's a risk, but he also knows it's broad daylight. You know, no one's dumb enough to, you know, gang up on me and attack me. And I think he just cares that much about getting his piece across to Robbie that he's willing to take that risk. And I, I, I suppose um, also in the previous episode, uh, they kind of, you know, just kind of 
you know, verified and made it clear that, okay, all right, we're, we're not fighting before the tournament as well. I, I don't know if that applied to the senseis, though. But, uh, I think um, it's made explicit, but I think it can be, you know, implied. I also think, okay. you know, generally, like, they've settled on, we're settling this at the tournament, that's going to be it. And I think for them, like, they don't necessarily want to, you know, have it out themselves. They want to show whose philosophy is better and who's the better teacher. And the only way you do that is by, you know, winning the tournament. Right. Um, now, I didn't get a chance to ask Bob this, and, and maybe you uh, can um, uh, give us some insight into it. But I, I know a lot of people in the fandom have kind of discussed, you know, uh, Daniel's reaction to the very first time he sees Terry Silver again in, in uh, 405. Mm -hmm. um, can you possibly talk about, like, uh, if there was any discussion as to how Daniel would react? Because I think a lot of us were a little surprised, like, oh, wow, he's you know, where's that PTSD? Uh, I thought he would be a lot more scared, cower away, you know, triggered or or something. But to see him kind of like, it almost looked like he was prepared for this day to come at, at some point. It was inevitable. Uh, can you maybe sh shed some light? Yeah, well, I think, you know, he is reacting in a way that reflects his trauma from Karate Kid 3 in that you don't usually see Daniel get that angry and worked up as an adult. You know, he's kind of reverting to his old, you know, hothead ways. Um, and that's kind of how he reacted first seeing Johnny as well. When he first saw the Cobra Kai sign, he was just, he jumped straight to anger. You know, he wasn't like cowering or scared. He was just immediately like, I need to stop this. Uh, and so his reaction to silver, I think is, is reflective of that, of this man is a threat and I'm not going to run or hide because he's here to hurt people and I'm going to stop him. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause uh, I, I guess I never really thought, put too much thought into it but kind of reviewing it recently i was like yeah you know like it um i, I thought that uh, it, it was a little bit different than that i guess i had kind of imagined it would go down but i do like what you say about him just kind of being angry and we do see it with the kids too like oh i've never seen your dad so angry before too so mm -hmm. it, there is an emphasis on that as well um now i believe this was improvised but there was a fist bump between uh robbie and and uh, nestor Yes. Yeah. I think that was, uh, that was Tanner improvising that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I really like that because like, um, it kind of gives that added letter like, Oh, Robbie goes in there often enough mm -hmm. that, uh, he probably shoots the shit with, uh, with, with Nestor, you know, who doesn't like his dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he probably spends a lot of time there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned Aisha earlier. Uh, can you talk about the discussion about bringing her back, um, as we did with Piper? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think our feeling is that anybody who's appeared in the Karate Kid movies or the show can come back at any time with Aisha. I think, uh, you know, we felt her story, you know, had very much concluded. She had been on a whole journey and using Johnny's teachings. But we also, you know, know that she has a very close friendship with Sam. And we wanted to kind of bring her back in the moment where that was going to have the most impact for Sam. Uh, Sam, in that moment, really needs someone to talk to. Uh, someone who, you know, knows Tori a little bit and knows Johnny and knows, you know, the confusion that Sam's going through in this moment. And Aisha is really the only person who does. Um, and I think the advice that Aisha gives her can be taken in many different ways. And Sam maybe takes it in the worst way, uh, which, you know, maybe not how Aisha intended it. But yeah, that was something that uh, we had talked about doing, you know, in the writer's room the whole season. And uh, this just seemed like the perfect place where Sam was in a lot of turmoil and really needed a friend to lean on. You just, yeah, you mentioned something very interesting. So like Sam taking Aisha's um, uh, advice kind of the wrong way. Is, is that the reasoning for Sam's smirk at the very end of the episode? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, Aisha tells her like, yeah, just because my parents made me quit karate doesn't mean I can't use Johnny's lessons. And she's talking about using them to, you know, in a good way to sort of stop the bullying before it begins. And Sam kind of takes that as a, well, just because my parents want me to make nice and be the bigger person, I don't necessarily have to do that. I can use Johnny's teachings and kind of be very aggressive and Mm. and stand up for myself and not be the, you know, bigger person here which is understandable yeah. given everything she's gone through. Yeah. I, I had spoken with the, uh, another content creator who kind of questioned that. And, and he was wondering if that was like a improv by Mary. Cause he, um, he, he thought it was just kind of, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the impression I got that he was kind of like, well, well, hold on now. Cause I, I, I guess he thought it was going to go one way, but that smirk kind of made him think something else or something. So I thought I would ask kind of clear that up. So, yeah, I think Sam in that moment is feeling like I am going to put this girl in her place and like everything she's done to me, I'm going to make her pay for it. And like, I'm not going to let her think, you know, Sam thinks that Tori is, you know, trying to get back into school just to mess with her. She doesn't trust her. And so she's making it clear. Like, I know what you're up to. You're not getting one over on me. I'm in control here. And I think that smirk is kind of like a triumphant moment for her. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, I, I love the the, the the sequence with uh, Nicole and Mary and just kind of see them together uh, again. Was there any discussion of, of how to um, maybe approach that scene? Like, was there even an idea of like possibly well, how come Sam couldn't just call her on the phone and there's a split screen, you know, something like that? Yeah, I think, you know, from a, I'm sure Joel told you about this as well, but like from a filmmaking perspective, it's just so much more dynamic and interesting to see these two characters actually in the same space talking to each other. Um, it's just, you know, it's better for the actors. They can actually play off of each other and it just feels like a stronger scene. So we did talk about, you know, maybe doing it as a phone call, like how far away did Aisha move? But I think just from like a filmmaking perspective, it's going to feel better if you see the two actors in the same room speaking to each other. Yeah, I, I guess if you want to go further, you know, it also gives Sam, you know, some some time to kind of just reflect on on things as she's like driving up to go see Aisha as well. So, yeah, she has uh, the whole two hour drive to figure yeah, out her next step. So clear her mind a little bit. Um, we also have uh, this just amazing sequence between Tori and Amanda in, in my non-spoiler review i wrote how you know we're finally getting sequences with characters that we never thought that we would even see together and this was definitely one of them um can you talk about uh tori visiting amanda and also uh amanda's backstory where we're just like oh wow that sounds like a carrie underwood song (laughs) (laughs) yes um i think the backstory had originally been written i think for episode um 404 i think it was originally stacy Harmon. Um, but it didn't end up fitting into that episode. And, but we knew we wanted to work it in. I think the advantage of having a show with such a big cast and, you know, gets to run for, for four seasons, uh, and counting is that you get to find these unique pairings that kind of give you more insight into both characters. So, you know, if you watch season two and we told you, by the way, Tori and Amanda are going to end up hanging out, you would be very confused. But I think we try to build to it in a way that makes sense over the course of several episodes. Um, I think that relationship was something that we had wanted to do. Um, Amanda is very much a fan favorite character. And we kind of see her aggressive side coming out in season three. And we kind of wanted her to go through the same journey as many of the characters on the show of realizing, you know, I might not be 100% right all the time. And this person who I hate maybe has reasons behind what they're doing. And maybe if I reach out, I can actually fix things. And giving her that backstory was a way of kind of making her more sympathetic 
to someone who, you know, has had similar struggles and made mistakes. You know, Amanda has ended up in a very good place, but I think she feels like she's maybe fortunate to do so. Um, and I think, you know, her acknowledging that is what lets her reach out to Tori and Tori really needs that. I'm kind of forgetting the the actual detail in, in um, Amanda's backstory about her graduating. Did, did she not walk or did she not graduate? I think she wasn't allowed to walk. I think we are saying that she did graduate. Okay. Because for a second, I, I kind of forgotten. I'm like, well, if she didn't graduate, Daniel would have known, right? Because usually people have their graduation photo, you know, or from graduation day, rather. Like yeah. I know my wife's parents' house, my in-laws, there's there's pictures of like all, all of the kids and, you know, her siblings and whatnot with the graduation photos. So I just kind of wondered, I was like, wow, there, there's some some things that Daniel, I'm like, well, so I'm surprised that he did not know about that. Yeah, so, um, I think, you know, with that story, it's also enough that like, like she says, well, that's not a first date story. That's not something that you casually tell someone. And I think for her, she's hoping it's far enough in her past that you can just forget about it. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see if the past comes back to bite her again. Ooh, possibly a little tease, maybe. Um, you mentioned that her backstory was uh, originally supposed to be two episodes previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the cards consistent or constantly moving around during production? Uh, Not necessarily during production, um, but certainly during the writer's room and leading up to production. Um, I think we had designated early on, like, okay, episodes two, four, and six are going to be the Tori episodes and the Amanda episodes and how their relationship evolves. Um, And so by the end of episode six, you know, Amanda's actually helping Tori, but we knew it was going to take some time to get them there. And it's just a question of like what pieces fall into which episode. So it's not like Stacey already started like writing that backstory before like it was decided that it would actually be moved to 406. She might have actually. I'm not I'm not sure how how far along she got with that, but I do know the actual story of, you know, the baseball bat and the math tutor. That was definitely Stacy. Okay. Oh wow, that's very interesting. Um yeah, that's just um it, it is one of my favorite like moments in the entire fourth season is just uh, Amanda and Tori. Um as we uh, get ready to wrap up, wrap up just a couple more sequences from this episode. Uh, the introduction of Devin, uh, mm-hmm. you are holding on to that the, the debate story, I believe. Maybe I'm not sure if we touched on it really, uh, but yeah, the the you also shared the um, somebody that you went up against. So that was a a bit of a uh, inspiration for her character. Yeah, that was a real life inspiration. Uh, we knew we wanted a, a female character who was a little bit different than, you know, the girls we'd already had on the show and the, you know, the other characters we've had on the show. We've had a lot of nerds on the show, so uh, we didn't want to do like that exactly. But we liked the idea of somebody who's just like very intense and very aggressive and like, I want to be the best at everything, but has just not applied that to karate yet. Um, And then I think you see uh, her and Johnny in episode seven kind of starting to get along and Johnny like finding respect for this girl who you would think, you know, on the surface, they have nothing in common, but Johnny likes intensity and he likes the aggression. Uh, So we thought that would be just a really fun pairing and that she could call him out on things uh, in a way that, you know, most of the boys are too scared to do. Right. I mean, even even Miguel, like, um, I, I think doesn't do that as much as he used to, I feel. Um, don't know if that's intentional, but, uh, I, I do, I do like that. Um, with the, uh, the, uh, the book ripping, can you talk about that? It's just, just kind of added more aggression to her character. Yeah. I'm not sure if I scripted that or if that was added in, it was, you know, a couple years ago that we wrote this. I do know, however, that they had several books on set and 
she just kept ripping them so aggressively. They were worried they were going to run out uh, because uh, Una, the actress, was just getting so into it. Uh, she's really perfect for that role. I was really excited to see her in it. It's crazy because like that's her first role, too. Yeah, yeah. She's really just made for it. She's great. Yeah, yeah. She was, Um, I, I believe she only just turned 15 earlier this year or late last year. But uh, do, do you have any knowledge about her um, her auditioning process? Uh, no, no, I was, you know, not able to be on set for season four, you know, with COVID and everything. Um, but I knew that they were casting a pretty wide net and they, you know, wanted someone who was the right age. And, um, you know, I think with that type of role, it can be really exciting to cast someone who's unknown and kind of bring someone very new into the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see her. I mean, season five's got so many questions and kind of like oh, how are they going to do this in 10 episodes 30 to 40 minutes 40 minutes each um and to kind of like bring back the the whole thing about tori's aunt and that conversation clearly that made her make make the decision like you know what i should probably go to school i should probably graduate since you know i dropped out and um doesn't want to end up like her i, I would imagine so she uh with the help of the larusos and sam's uh permission as opposed to have her return to school can you talk about that and was that basically to kind of lead into the whole prom sequence or what other reasons um other than like tori wanted to finish school uh was there um for that dynamic with, with the characters yeah it was partly for prom but it was mostly you know we want to show tori trying to improve and we want to show like all the characters on the show that she is trying to become a better person in her own way and that the people around her are influencing her in that. And for her, I think going back to school, it just felt like a really big moral step. Um, it felt like something that she would have to go and ask LaRusso's for help with, which, you know, it just felt like a huge concession for her and just a very big just moment of character development for her. Um, so, yeah, you know, get, getting her into prom was, you know, part of the consideration, but it was mostly just for her. That is such a big thing to have to go to the LaRusso's and ask for help. And um, we thought that that was, you know, something she could ask for that would feel huge um, and just show that she's really willing to, to make a change. That is huge. And that's, that's a big step for her character, especially like earlier. Now I'm kind of mixing up the seasons. I believe it was earlier in the season. 402 if i'm not mistaken where uh amanda you know cost her her job for mm -hmm. for showing up there right season yeah. four yeah that's okay. uh 402 yeah 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 all right so so that happens and so um already there's the tension between those two and then and then tori coming to the larusso La auto to drop off the uh amanda what are you even doing that was cringy but um <laughs> yeah dropping off the groceries i don't need your help to come back to her home which she basically vandalized and mm -hmm. to, to ask this, it, it is a big step. Um, now do what, what Bob kind of mentioned, like a lot of the episodes were kind of like running roughly of, you know, 40, 45 minutes and there's a lot of trimming. Do you recall like any, um, maybe some of your favorite lines or scenes, anything like that, that was maybe, uh, uh removed for pacing purposes, um, well, four, Bob four, always six. gets stuck with the long episodes, uh, so that's most of his experience. But yeah, there was a scene um, with Robbie and uh, Tori sort of towards the beginning of the episode where they're talking about going back to school. And I thought that was really fun just because, you know, we'd originally had, a, you know, 
because Robbie's also not in school at the moment. And so we got a moment of him talking about that. And it was just a fun moment to develop their relationship a bit. But we ended up doing that, uh, a version of that scene instead of the two of them together in um, Borough 8 uh, and kind of developing that relationship a bit more. But, you know, I just really like that relationship. Would love to have been able to do a version of that scene. But, uh, you know, our episodes are always running long and there just wasn't time. And uh, if if I remember correctly from school, like I believe as long as like one person attended, you can have your plus one from like any other school. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that's the reasoning behind like Robbie being able to attend, even though he's out mm-hmm. of school. Yeah. 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 So um, anything else that you, you, you want to share about 406? Um, just that, you know, it, it was my second episode of television ever. Uh, I'm very glad that that people like it so much. I'm just really happy to get the chance to talk about it. It was really fun to write. Uh, it turned out amazing. The entire cast and crew did a great job. And uh, yeah, I'm just really glad to have my name on it. I do have one more question. That I just remembered because uh, I was thinking back to like some of your um, writing for Johnny. Uh, there's a moment where he's showing off a flyer. Do you have any kind of input on like what goes on this flyer? Or is this like the art department or something like that? I think that? that was the art department, but I think that flyer specifically is almost an exact recreation of his season one flyer where it's just like learn to fight. And he just kind of wrote Eagle Fang instead of Cobra Kai. He's, you know, not the most uh, visually creative guy, uh, doesn't really have a handle on modern advertising just yet. Because um, a friend of mine um, recently, he was just like, you know, because I asked him a question. He's like, I don't know if you want to know that because some, sometimes like not knowing is like a better answer than the real answer. Um, <laughs> but there there is something that like I'm curious about because I don't know if I'll get the answer. But during uh, 2020, when we started um, uh, finally speaking with the writers, which I, I don't know why I never thought about reaching out to, you know, you guys uh, from, from the get go. But um, I was pitching to at the very least Stacy and mm-hmm. I believe Michael and also Joan Luan that Johnny needs to have an Instagram and he got one. He has an Instagram and it's on that flyer. So yes. somebody was sh- sharing it one day and I was like, it made it in there. So I don't know, again, if it was the art department or me putting it out there in the internet. Uh, I think, you know, you manifested it. I think you put it into the universe and the universe responded. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed our discussion. And, you know, since we know nothing about season five in the event, uh, you are able to write episode episodes. Would love to have you back and pick your brain about those as well. Yeah. Um, are you active on social media at all that you want to kind of give any kind of handles out if people want to give you a follow? Uh, you know, I'm pretty, generally pretty quiet on social media. All I ever post is Cobra Kai trailers. So I don't think I'm really worth a follow, but <laughs> thanks very much for the Some, yeah, uh, some yeah. uh, b- baseball games. You, you throw some stories up in I there. I do. Yeah, I go to the occasional baseball or, or soccer game. And that's about it. That's yeah, I, yeah. I I never got into any of those. I, I think I'm a simpleton. So like basketball, you just throw a ball into a hoop and I, I, you know, and it's two points or three sometimes. That's the, all the other games just seem very complex to me. And yeah. I guess with like a bunch of kids, it's really hard for me to sit down and, and you know, watch those longer ones. That's great. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we, we will definitely uh, be in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And for the listeners at home, uh, you guys uh, know where to find us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, to the audio podcast, obviously. And we'll talk to you later.
Haven't you done enough, princess? <laughs>